This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for today come together in speaking of one of the most central themes in our religion the theme of redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering. If we fail to grasp this idea, we fail to grasp Christianity. And I would submit to you, this is a hard concept to get. How can one person suffer for another? How can suffering be redemptive for someone else? You know, when I was a teenager and I first started puzzling over these religious questions, this one really bothered me. I knew that we said Jesus suffered for us, that he died for our sins, but I couldn't really grasp what this meant. What does that mean precisely, he died for us? Or that his terrible suffering on that cross did something good for me? I just, I couldn't really get what that means. Well, let me state the principle. Unjust suffering, patiently and lovingly born, has redemptive power. That's the principle. Again, unjust suffering, patiently and lovingly born, has redemptive power. See, suffering that comes because of my own sin or my own injustice or my own stupidity, well, that's just the law of karma. You know, that law that can be found really in all religions, that somehow uh, evil is answered by evil. There has to be a redressing of the imbalance. Suffering that comes because of my own stupidity and sin doesn't redeem anybody else. It just uh, redresses the imbalance that was caused by my sin. But, but, unjust suffering, suffering that I don't deserve, rightly embraced, can release redemptive power into the world. That's the principle. And now let me try to get at this elusive idea with a few images and examples. A child is very sick. His mother stays by his side day and night, giving up on sleep, attending constantly to his needs, going to the pharmacy to get his medication, worrying and fretting. The mother did not in any sense deserve this suffering, but she endured it patiently effectively bearing the pain of her child. And this unjust suffering, patiently born, unleashed a redemptive 
power. Mohandas Gandhi, when he was a young barrister in South Africa, led a small protest against an unjust British law. The police come, he's told to stop. He keeps speaking. He's told again to stop. When he refuses, he's beaten. He continues to speak. He's beaten again. Though badly injured, he continues to speak. Finally, he's knocked unconscious to the ground. This suffering of his was completely unjustified. He didn't merit or deserve it in any way. And it was the spark that lit the fire of a revolution in South Africa and which set the tone for a later and even greater revolution in India. Unjust suffering, patiently born, can release redemptive power. Martin Luther King led a protest deep in the American South during the 1950s. He and other blacks sat down at a whites-only lunch counter to demonstrate the injustice of racial segregation. King is hauled off, arrested, thrown into prison. Many others, inspired by his example, protest. They are shot at with water cannons, threatened by snarling dogs, and in extreme cases, shot to death. None of this suffering was merited. None of it was deserved. None of it was just. But when it was accepted knowingly and willingly, it redounded massively to the good of others. Because of these courageous people, civil rights reforms became a reality in our country. The social fabric of America was changed by this unjust suffering, patiently born. One more example. In 1994, Joseph Cardinal Bernardine of Chicago was accused of sexual misconduct with a former seminarian. The accusation was brutally painful for this very public figure. I might have told you before the story of Cardinal Bernardine coming out to the seminary where I'm recording these words right now. He told the student body how this accusation had cut him to the core, how it pained him every time he appeared publicly. People turned to look at him and he thought, at least half of them must be convinced that I'm guilty. He said that nightly he threw himself down on the floor of his chapel begging God to take this suffering from him. Though he was completely innocent, Cardinal Bernardine bore this unjust suffering nobly. In fact, at the end, he reached out to his accuser in love and forgiveness. And when the young man eventually admitted that the accusation was false, Cardinal Bernardine's unmerited suffering, accepted in a spirit of love, 
had a transformative impact on the Church of Chicago and indeed on the American church. Unjust suffering, patiently and lovingly borne, unleashes redemptive power. Now, with these examples in mind and this principle in mind, let's return to the scriptures. In the short excerpt from the prophet Isaiah, which is our first reading, we hear this extraordinary story of the suffering servant of Yahweh. We hear, listen, the Lord was pleased to crush him with infirmity. We hear that this figure would, quote, give his life as an offering for sin and that through his suffering he would justify many. Now, see friends, what's key here is that this is not a sinful figure. Not one more in a long line of unfaithful Israelites who merit suffering because of their sin. And we hear about that all the time in the Bible. If that were the case, his pain would not overflow to the good of the race. But precisely as sinless, precisely as the faithful servant of the Lord, and hence undeserving of suffering, this person can, through his lovingly born suffering, liberate others. He will take their pain on himself, like the patient mother, like Gandhi King, like Bernadine. He will take the pain on himself and thereby transform it and take it away. Listen now to our second reading, taken from the letter to the Hebrews. Listen. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has similarly been treated, tested in every way, yet without sin. The author is talking about this suffering servant of Isaiah, now recognized as Jesus. Notice how, again, his sinlessness is the key to his effectiveness. What makes him the great high priest? That he endures this suffering without sin. And therefore, the power of that endurance can redound to our benefit. And now, look at the gospel. Same theme now, running right through the readings. The disciples, as usual, missing the point, talk about which one of them is to receive the highest glory. Even though Jesus, in every possible way, has told them that worldly glory is not the goal. But Jesus speaks now of his own stance of service. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. And then this, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for the many. Now there it is. There is the interpretive key. There is the biblical principle. He will come to give his life as a ransom for the many. For the many who are sinners, the many who merit and deserve suffering, what will Jesus do? He will take their suffering upon himself. He will bear it patiently and lovingly and thereby take it away. In this vivid language of the gospel, he will pay the price. He will pay the ransom. Imagine if people have been kidnapped. They're held in a distant country. And now the ransom note goes out. Someone's got to pay the price. What will Jesus do? He will willingly pay the price. Just as in his own way, Gandhi paid the price. King and his companions paid the price. Cardinal Bernanin paid the price that should have been paid by their aggressors. But by taking it on lovingly and knowingly, they took it away. Friends, this is the motif of redemptive suffering. This is why we say Jesus is the one who takes away the sin of the world. The usual process is to pass on suffering. You make me suffer, I'll pass it on to somebody else, or I will return it to you. And all that does is it continues the cycle of violence. Jesus endures and bears unjust suffering and thereby unleashes into the world redemptive power. There's the message of the church. There's the message of the gospel. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Father Robert Barron is combating the crisis of faith in our culture. Father Barron's expanded website can deepen your faith, give you new insights into scriptures, and help you become a better Christian. Go to wordonfire.org and tap into Father Barron's compelling videos, sermons, articles, and much more. Wordonfire.org. Connect with one of the Catholic Church's best messengers every day, everywhere.